Welcome into another episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. Six great interviews for you on this episode. First off, Jason Baker, ESPN play-by-play for USM Athletics. Ben Brewer, USM assistant baseball coach. Christian Ostrander, another USM assistant baseball coach as they get ready to face Old Miss in the Super Regional in Hattiesburg. Fourth on the list is Mark Etheridge from D1 Baseball. Fifth is Michael Avalon, head coach of the national champion Pearl River Community College Wildcats. And finally, Brett Favre, NFL Hall of Fame quarterback and USM alumni. Hope you enjoy. Attention all Little League coaches and commissioners, all high school coaches and athletic directors, or anyone looking for plaques, trophies, or any other kind of ceremonial awards. Give our friends at Riverbanks Engraving a shot. They specialize in custom plaques, trophies, championship rings, and more. They even do custom engraved hats. You can stop by their shop at 107 West Canal Street in Picayune or give them a call at 601-798-4928. Also, look them up on Facebook and give their page a follow. Riverbanks Engraving. No award is too big or too small. As always, we are excited now to be joined by Jason Baker, of course, the voice of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles on the ESPN Plus broadcast throughout the year and just really good insight always provided by Jason and most more importantly, a really good friend of mine. Jason, thanks for taking time for the show. Uh, looking forward to it, Clay. These are always special moments when we get to talk a little ball and um, really looking forward to this one. Yeah, and you said special. Boy, that kind of summarizes what has been uh, Southern Miss baseball over the last few days. I wanted to get your perspective, Jason, really a, a unique perspective to have um, to have worked the games and the role, and I use work because that's what it is when you prep and do the job that you've done on the ESPN Plus broadcast. But then it's certainly a different engagement than what you did over this past weekend. Just kind of tell our listeners what that – experience was like yeah it's different um you know as you're calling games and I, I actually told this to several of the buddies that uh, i watched the game with and uh, with my family as well which lauren my wife knows that it's a different experience for me to go sit amongst fans and to be a fan and to try to try to allow the emotion of the game to take place because as you're calling a game that's the exact opposite of what you want to do. So for me, this was a much more emotional, much more uh, strenuous kind of environment for me, um, mainly because of my love for this club and Southern Miss and um, Scott Barry and his entire staff and, and the players too. I've gotten pretty close with this team just due to the access that I had throughout the year of watching DP and such. And so, um, I kind of remove all that when I'm calling games because it's it's just a it's a job that I have to do and um, I try to do it as professionally as possible and really with respect to our opponent I don't I try I fight to try to not just allow all my emotion for Southern Miss take itself and then you get an opportunity like moments we've had this year when we've had a Danny Lynch walk off home run of course the emotion poured out there and the Peto walk off home run against Rice and in other examples as well. But so this was different, um, kind of cool. Um, I, I probably would have preferred to have a headset on and a mic on and, and, and be doing work. If, if you will, I probably enjoy that a little more than this, but 
yeah, pretty pretty cool. I watched two games from the stands, um, and then I watched the rest of the games uh, over the weekend from the Roos. <laughs> Bake, you used the word strenuous in your answer there. I looked at, at my dad, who certainly you know well, and my son. I guess it was halfway through the game on Monday afternoon, and and I said, guys, this is supposed to be fun, and I know it is in the elements, but boy, oh boy, it was. And for all the games involved in the regional, when you look at it, it was a grind fest for everybody involved, was it not? Yeah, every game. I mean, it, you know, as competitive of a regional as possible. I mean, even back to Friday's performance, and, you know, I – it was a Tanner Hall performance against Army that I never felt Tanner was out of control. But you're talking about a two nothing mm. ball game. Like those are those yeah. are games that change on on one pitch. And so, yeah, like man, it was just a strenuous, stressful, emotional regional. But that's postseason baseball, and really and truly, in my in my opinion, it's what it should feel like. You know, is um, if I was calling the game, it's what I would. Have hoped for, you know. I wouldn't have wanted to call a, a ten nothing blowout. I, I would have wanted them to be tight, you know, edge of your seat, waiting on every single pitch. And um, you know, for the people that got to come to the Hattiesburg Regional um, this past weekend, that's exactly what they got. Even even to the Sunday afternoon game against Tennessee State mm. that went in the extras, you know, was the same way. Yeah, no doubt about it, Bake. And then when you look at postseason baseball, even at the major league level, I mean, my, the listeners of this show, and certainly you know I'm a, I'm a big, brave supporter, and when they made the run last year, you had some guys do some stuff that was maybe a little outside of what they had done in, in regular season play or a little uh, more than what their role should have been. We certainly had that from the Southern Miss perspective uh, this weekend, certainly guys that are capable or they wouldn't have been in the spots, but uh, Storm and then I think Best, too. What a job those two guys. I mean, I think you know and I think the Southern Miss supporters know what you're getting from the three starters. That secret's out. But the job that uh, those two guys did was uh, pretty special. Yeah, and so I love the line that you just said that certainly that they were capable, but we just didn't know. You know, the unique thing of this Southern Miss Golden Eagle pitching staff, and I've sort of taken this perspective this year, it's so deep, and the starters have been so effective that there's a lot of arms in that pen that certainly are capable, talented dudes with really good stuff that have been lightly used, not due to coaches' decision, but really because of the effectiveness of others. Look at um, Garrett Ramsey, who came in as mm. the closer this year and returned as the closer. And then what's happened is a, a kid like Dalton Rogers, who for two and a half months of this season was so effective, Christian Ostrander couldn't get him out of the game. Like, why would you take a guy out that's rolling through kids like that? Or Landon Harper. And so it was nothing that Garrett Ramsey's done. It was that these other guys have stepped up in their moments and been so effective. That's really the case with a Justin Storm and a Chandler Best. It's like, you know, it's not that those guys, there's no belief in them. Matter of fact, I think it's the polar opposite. What I think the way Scott Berry and Christian Ostrander have handled this pitching staff, 
I think the beauty in it is, is I think those kids, and it's an testament to those kids, have been told, hey, be ready. Because you're going to get a moment when postseason baseball occurs and we're strung out on pitching. We need you to be ready and effective, even though over the course of Conference USA weekends, they might have gone two weeks where they didn't step on the mound in conference play. But it's not that they didn't have a belief in them. And so that's the beauty, you're right, of postseason baseball. Because then you put kids in situations that they've not been. And, you know, to everybody's surprise, when they execute, people are astonished. But really their teammates and their coaches and probably some people within the know know, like, and Justin Storm's got electric stuff. Like, this guy's got great command of his own. You know, he's a big kid. I think he's six six mm. six seven. really thick-legged. He's got, you know, a lot of life to his fastball and great command, which is, you know, what Christian Ostrander wants. And so, yeah, like, those moments were really special. And I'm glad you brought up Chandler Best because he kind of got lost to me a little bit on the Monday game, on the Sunday game in Kennesaw game, I think he came in as well and just pitched a performance in it on Monday as well. So he's a guy that can be effective too. So I think within the program, every one of those guys believed in a Justin Storm and a Chandler Best. It's just those guys have it's it, the work's not been there because of the effectiveness of others. Well, we've worked enough together, JB, to kind of know that we can probably finish each other's sentences. But on the ride home after the the gut punch late loss to LSU, I was explaining to Easton what I kind of thought, that's my 11-year-old son, would have to happen for Southern Miss. And one of the first things I said, look, Riggins has got to go deep. And for what he did (laughs) to eat up as many quality innings and stressful innings, I mean – didn't have much of a lead or any lead to work with. How huge was that just not to have to use the pin in an extra inning ball game? You eventually did, but what did he throw? He basically threw a complete game in a sense. How big was that for him to be able to go inning after inning uh, to set up the Monday game and not have to use as much of your pin as you would have had to play in two ball games that day? So if I would have had a vote for the tournament team, I did not. But had I been covering the event and would have gotten a a media vote, Hunter Riggins would have been my MVP because Southern Miss isn't playing this weekend without that performance. That's how special it was. I get he wasn't even the winning pitcher of record, but he did what the team needed, which was to eat up innings. And, um, you know, it's it's funny you bring him up because – He's a guy who's a veteran. He's a guy who transferred here to pitch in that performance. And there's beauty in when you get your opportunity as a player and you take advantage of it. And to me, Hunter Riggins left Delta State, just such a proud baseball program. He wanted to come to Southern Miss to test himself against that kind of level competition. And he did that and got an opportunity and was incredibly successful, and man, like, yeah, he, he, it was, you know, I know he's probably got statistically some better performances, but underneath the implications of what that game meant on Sunday afternoon, it was the performance of the year, in my opinion, by Hunter Riggins. 
you look at Jeremy McLean and, and he's got that AD hat on all the time, of course, but and I know he pulls for all the student athletes in an honest moment. All right, he's going to say, you know, all the same, but that had to be pretty special for him to see a guy that transfers from his alma mater pitch like that huh, as a former pitcher. Yeah, so I've had some special moments this season with Jeremy um, when a visiting radio opponent's not there. The visiting radio booth is open. He tends to hang out there. Um, he's a baseball guy. He doesn't make any bones about that. I mean, it's the sport that he played. Had a really highly successful career at Delta State. And, yeah, I, I would imagine um, – I've talked to Jeremy some, but I haven't, like, sat down and just peppered him with some questions like I'd love to. But, you know, my understanding is he watched a lot of it this weekend from John Cox's booth and took it in uh, alongside of Cox. And above John, there's a, another level to the radio booth, and he sat above him and took the game in from up there. And, uh, yeah, I would have loved to have been in the booth with him just to – or at least having next to me where I could see his mannerisms and such. Uh, I tweeted out the other night that it's been really cool to watch him and Jeff Mitchell, who is actually the mm. Southern Miss baseball sport admin, um, hang on every pitch this season um, because, you know, they're so invested in this as, as administrators within the athletic department. Um, it's been a unique perspective for me to see how much they love and hinge on every pitch. And, yeah, I can't imagine for Jeremy McClain and. Uh, to have a guy from Delta State transfer here and then to watch him uh, do work like Hunter Riggins did uh, had to be awfully special for him. All right, Bake, you were on the call back at May 11th. You, I'm going to say this, too. You had a, probably one of the most comfortable seats in the house at the peak for that particular ball <laughs> game. I believe that one uh, set the record for attendance, and we were squeezed in uh, pretty tight down below you and uh, Mr. Russell and Cass on that one. But when you look at that 4-1 to win for Ole Miss back in May 11th, that really sparked this Rebels team to go on and do what they did, right? Uh, get maybe one of the last four bids in. I believe that same week they went on and swept what we just saw as a really quality team in LSU. So as Southern Miss turns its attention to Ole Miss, what can you kind of tell our listeners on what to expect from Ole Miss? Ole Miss is a team, and we opened with this on that May 11th broadcast. They were getting an opportunity to finally get healthy. They didn't have Kevin Graham for a good little chunk of this season, and a lot of that chunk was when they were sort of sputtering along and just not looking like the team that everybody thought they were. But they're a team that returns, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they've got like 92% of their team back in terms of like offensive production and pitching production from the team a year ago that went to a super regional. So for them to be here today, while I know back in April in late March, when they began to sort of sputter, I know people maybe are shocked that they're here. I'm not. I opened that broadcast with questions. Uh, I believe it was to Russell to Cliff about this Ole Miss team because they were coming off a sweep of Missouri the previous weekend, entering Pete Taylor Park. And we sort of opened that broadcast with, have they begun to find themselves? Are they fixing to go on a run and play like the number one team in the country? Because that's who they were for a period of this season. And, you know, I said, I think we'll get that answer tonight. And 
we got that answer. They played like that. You know, ideally enough, I don't think Southern Miss played very poorly in that uh, ball game. We didn't hit, but that was sort of in a lull time for Southern Miss as well, where they had some lineup changes due to injuries, and they were battling back and trying to get comfortable. And then you had Matt Adams really was rolling along mm-hmm. in the game before he made two mistakes, and they hit back-to-back home runs on those mistakes, which is what good teams do. You only make a couple of mistakes, but they take your mistakes and turn them into runs. And so I'm not shocked Ole Miss is here. I was probably more shocked that they got into the tournament just due to their resume, but I'm not shocked that they're here now. Like when they got sent to Coral Gables, I thought, boy, you know, that's that's going to be a handful for Miami and Arizona because – that's as talented of a team as far as veteran and experience as you'll find. And, um, you know, look, you don't get to be number one in the country without some kind of respect. Like, you know, they, they didn't just give them that title because, hey, that's who we're just going to pick. They earned that title earlier this year and in, in that honor earlier this year. And so, you know, that's the team to me that's coming into Hattiesburg is a team that's been thought of well enough to be ranked number one in this country at some point. Yeah, that's a really good point, a really good uh, thing to kind of camp out on is those preseason rankings and early season rankings. They're there. You know, sometimes it will skew your view, but when you look at that much coming back, you can see why, right, and so many talented players, the shortstops from a different world, then Elko uh, with all his ACLs or not can swing it. You look at the weekend that – that he just put up with some ungodly numbers, JB. I'm looking at that, and a mutual friend of ours, you know, Donnie Pascal, sent a little snippet of what he did, and then I was reading more on it this morning. This kid batted 778 in the uh, in the regional. Is that unbelievable? It really is, and that's who he is. You know, he's a guy that when the when the stage gets its brightest, he's going to show up. He's that kind of guy, and uh, you know. To me, he's going to be the guy this weekend that, you know, as you as you watch this hitting lineup for Ole Miss face this elite pitching staff for Southern Miss, you begin to go into that lineup a little deeper and you begin to think, okay, what bat can't beat us? Like, what bat do we have to avoid? How, how do we keep Tim Elko, you know, inside Pete Taylor Park? I would imagine that's what... Christian Ostrander and, and this entire Golden Eagle staff are trying to figure out because he went 7-9, my understanding, for the regional down at Coral Gables with five walks. And then he had three home runs in a game, which he's also done previously, and he did it against Southern Miss in the regional final and the championship final a year ago, hit three home runs against the Golden Eagles that day. Um, so, I mean, that's not an uncommon uh, performance, if you will, for him. And, yeah, he's just elite. And um, he's their guy. He's their leader. He's a veteran. Um, there's probably not a pitch this weekend that they're going to throw that he hasn't seen. And um, yeah, it, and, and that's what makes Ole Miss to me really a scary and formidable opponent because not only is it veterans, not only is it guys who have played a lot of baseball, but it's guys with a lot of production with the baseball. And you know, sometimes you can get teams that get a lot of seniors back, but or, or veterans back, if you will, but maybe it's veterans that haven't produced, right? Well, Ole Miss has got production back. Like, I mean, it's 85% of their hits from a year ago returned on this team. Like, 
88% of their RBIs return for this team. 92% of their starts return for this team. Like, we're talking production, guys that have got it done, you know, with one and two outs in innings deep in games. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the team that's coming in here. And that's why we brought that question up on May 11th was because, for me, the story was, like, off a sweep, do they get a win against a really quality opponent in Southern Miss? And does that win spur them into belief that, hey, we, we're still really good? And I think it did. I, you know, I, if I had an opportunity to interview Mike Bianco this weekend, I would ask him, was that a, a momentum-pushing win in Hattiesburg that night? And I would be shocked if he told me his answer wasn't yes. So the two teams split this year. Southern Miss gained a victory 10-7 to back in April 5th in, up in Pearl. So, JB, when you look up the matchup, uh, well, we've got you kind of doing double duty uh, this week. We, we kind of laid out your week and what you had ahead, and you started bringing up some interesting angles and, and take on, on what this program's direction could be, this podcast episode. And you threw out uh, two, ep- two interviews that you maybe wanted to seek after. Tell our listeners the reason why the angles for the interviews and, and what they'll hear from you later on in this episode. Yeah, so they'll hear from Ben Brewer, the first base coach for Southern Miss. He's a first-year assistant coach with Scott Berry and this staff. Uh, Ben's actually become a really good friend of mine. Um, We've just got a lot of mutual friends as well. And uh, he's a guy familiar to Mississippi. So he coached within the junior college system at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College where he left to go coach at Southern Illinois. Um, So he's got some Mississippi ties. But – He's a young, bright mind, and he's even going to speak in his interview about the way analytics has played a part. And, you know, with the familiarity of the two programs, I am so interested this weekend coming up against Ole Miss with how much shifting Mm. in the way defense will be played this weekend between the two squads, not just from a Southern Miss perspective, but how much – chart and information does Ole Miss have because these two teams have played one, you know, every year within regular season contests for midweek games. But then you factor in that they saw each other in Ole Miss's regional last year. So there's a lot of information and data that's going to be present for these guys. And look, that's baseball. Now, Mm. I get it. Mike Bianco and Scott Berry, it's probably not their flavor of baseball, Scott Berry has publicly said that, that this just isn't the game that he loves, right? Like all the shifting and analytical data, but he's open to it. And I think that's a sign of a great coach. I believe Mike Bianco has said the same thing. But a guy like Ben Brewer, who's more of my age and younger, it's the game that he's learning and in, in growing as a coach. And so we have a great conversation about that and, and how much that's going to play a part in this. Um, and then the other side of it, we're going to have a conversation with Christian Ostrander. And, um, we're going to replay some of that regional contest and uh, live back through those moments. But more so, the conversation is just going to be about the depth and the development of this pitching staff that, you know, you could argue outside of Tennessee is the second best staff in the country. And the beauty of it is that didn't just happen overnight. Mm. That's been that way since 
March when you looked at statistical data on this squad and realized that Southern Miss has been so strong in ERA, so strong in walks to strikeout ratio, strikeouts per nine innings, hits per nine innings. They've been really inside the top three or four in those statistical categories all year. And so this isn't some fly-by-night staff that all of a sudden's got an arm that's hot. You know, these have been three starters that have been so consistent in a bullpen that when given their moments outside of just a couple of rare occurrences have been incredible. Here's here's a stat for you, Clay, to kind of put a bow on this on how good old, uh, Southern Miss's bullpen has been. The blown lead on Saturday night, while I know it was a gut punch, while I know for fans in black and gold, walking out it seemed like we were leaving a funeral out of Pete Taylor Park. But that was only the eighth time in Scott Berry's tenure as a 13-year head coach of Southern Miss that they blew a lead after the eighth inning. Wow. The eighth time, like, that's happened. And we're talking about he's three. He's now three sixty four and eight in that span when leading after the eight. Wow. So that's how rare of an anomaly that loss was Saturday night. And so you know that's how good his pins have been, not just this year, but over the course of the coaching career. And he understands the value of handing that baseball to quality arms and getting it done. And you know, I love that Christian Ostrander went right back to those guys. He mm. gave them their opportunities, you know, over the course of that regional to say, hey, I believe in you. Go, Let's go get it done. Last night was, you know, over a Saturday night loss. LSU was, you know, an outlier. I believe that you can get it done. And, and luckily for the Golden Eagles, they did. Yeah, awesome stuff, Bake. Man, it's always good to be able to kind of capture the chats we normally have, uh, but to be able to – to record them and get them out to folks. I always are so thankful for your time and your friendship, JB. Oh, Clay, it's uh, the pleasure's all mine, my man. This is going to be special times in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Your guy who grew up loving the black and gold, and um, I know what the regional win with you and your dad and your son sitting by your side meant to you at Pete Taylor Park, and as well, it's uh, special times and. Um, I can't even allow myself to go there yet. We got two more wins to go, but um, if this Golden Eagle squad can get these two wins this weekend, it'll be times that uh, we'll probably carry with us for the rest of our lives. It's going to be some special stuff. Absolutely. Thank you again, JB. No problem, Clay. On that note, too, I wanted to give a special thanks to the Hutto family. No need to go in-depth. They know what they did, but wanted to give them a special shout-out on the show today. With fall and cooler weather just around the corner, there's no better time to head out to Brothers in Arms. It's Hattiesburg's premier outdoor gun range. It is located at 4657 Highway 49 South. Whether you're a new shooter or an experienced one, all are invited to shoot on the safe and family-oriented range. Go check them out and inquire about their annual memberships, hourly rates, as well as their training classes they offer. Once again, that's Brothers in Arms Outdoor Range at 4657 Highway 49 South in Hattiesburg. And remember, always keep your sights pointed downrange. And welcome back, everybody, to the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. Jason Baker, absolutely honored uh, today to be joined by an assistant coach within the Southern Miss Golden Eagle baseball staff, Ben Brewer. He's a first-year 
assistant coach underneath Scott Berry. And uh, Ben, let's first start right there. First of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for uh, giving us some time ahead of this uh, wild weekend uh, with the Ole Miss Rebels. And uh, maybe just tell us, if you will, uh, how'd you get to Hattiesburg? What what brought you here in your uh, first year underneath Scott Barry? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. And, um, it was uh, a windy road, I guess. I um, I was teaching high school in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, applied for a GA position at Bellhaven University uh, where Coach Benson, Hill Benson, was the head coach. So um, started there and um, – Went to Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, for two years, community college. Um, and then I left the state, um, go up to Southern Illinois University for a little bit. And then uh, Coach Creel and Coach Barry gave me a call um, last summer, last July, I believe, and um, said that they were looking to add a volunteer and said, absolutely, I'm all in. So um, started with Coach Denson a couple years back, kind of the connection there. Um, but uh, when you have an opportunity to come to Hattiesburg and, and coach at Southern Miss, you can't turn that one down. You know, your time at Perk at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College kind of introduced you to the state of Mississippi. You're a native uh, out of Tennessee, I believe, is your hometown and um, home state, I should say, rather. And for you, what was the passion in Mississippi then? Did you realize how much these people love not just collegiate baseball, but even junior college baseball as well? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's intense. Um, the, the recruiting in the state of Mississippi, as far as uh, junior college goes, you only have four out of state spots. Um, so you're really, you really have to have the state memorized. You got to know all the players because you're competing with 14 other junior colleges. Um, you know, when you're, when you're recruiting there. So, um, it's intense. And then the, the fan base, uh, even at the junior college level, um, you get big crowds at all the games, and and uh, fans follow, alumni follow, um, and it seems like from from high school to junior college to um, you know Division two, Division one level, uh, baseball is it's serious down here, and and that, I think that's what makes it special. That's what makes it fun. Going back to Monday in the clinching of the regional over LSU, was there a moment? in the finale of making that final out and watching that take place, of course, you're in the dugout at that moment, but was there a moment maybe even when you were in your first base coach's box as you assumed that role for this team where you found yourself looking around and thinking, man, what an environment this is? Oh, yeah. When, uh, when, I'm, when I'm trying to communicate with outfielders and communicate with base runners and I realize that they can't hear me and I'm – you know, I'm right there next to him. Um, you know, it's it's incredible um, listening to to the USM chants, uh, drown out some of the other chants going on uh, was awesome. And then you look up into the roost and it's shoulder to shoulder. Um, yeah, I caught myself looking around. I had to had to refocus a couple times and, and get locked back in on the game. But um, it's easy to it's easy to stay locked in when you've got that many people. Uh, rooting for the team. Let's for a moment go back a couple of months, if you will, or yeah, I guess a couple months now. It's through May into early April. You got to be across the diamond as you are each game when Scott Barry became the all-time winningest coach at Southern Miss. 
Has there been a moment for you where you've looked across that diamond and thought, you're a young guy, you and Travis Creel both are young, up-and-coming, just bright superstars in the collegiate baseball game as far as coaches are concerned. But has there been a time this year where you've looked across that diamond and just thought, man, this is really neat that I'm communicating with literally a Mississippi college baseball icon and Scott Berry. Yeah, it's, it's been incredible. And, um, I think the, the biggest thing for me is, is just getting to, to listen to him in the office, seeing how he goes about, um, you know, his day to day, um, as a coach and just soaking up as much as I can. Um, you know, he, He'll pull me to the side from time to time during games, talk some strategy about what's going on, and, and really just soaking it in and every word that he says, making sure that I'm trying to learn from it. And, um, you know, it's, it's just incredible. I, I knew um, a, a good bit about him just from being around Coach Denson and all those things, but uh, you don't get the full effect until you get to be around him every day, that's for sure. You were a catcher at UT Martin in collegiate play. How much has the game changed from then when you were playing to now as you being a part of it as a coach? And how much are you having to adapt to the game and the college game with um, the analytics, the shifting of defenses as you're watching those take place? You're also, uh, I think, our outfield defensive coach, so you're aligning our defense up uh, from an outfield standpoint in the shifts. How much has that changed from even when you were a player and uh, what I guess 2010 through 2013. So from you, what that's nine, ten years ago. How much has it changed, and how much are you having to adapt to it, and how much do you enjoy adapting to it? Oh, I mean that's the, um, you know, that's one of the best parts in my opinion about coaching is continuing to learn, continuing to, um, you know, stay up to the times with the game, and it's definitely changed a lot. The, the analytics side of things. I mean, it was there a little bit. Um, when I was playing, but not to the extent that it is now. Um, you know, from from the defensive alignment um, point of view, I mean, you just have a lot more information. Um, people are uh, tracking, you know, every swing, every pitch these kids see um, on scouting services now. So there's so much data, um, you know, where you can you can put some guys. Um, in an alignment where, you know, they're, they're probably going to hit it there if they drive it into the outfield. Um, and then from, from the catching point of view, um, I think that's the biggest um, adjustment uh, in my mind just because the receiving um, is completely different, stances are completely different, um, and it's all kind of based on, you know, they, they're starting to understand how to measure um, – how receiving and throwing and blocking uh, from from behind the plate affect the game. So they're they're measuring how many runs you've prevented, how many runs you've saved. Um, I think it's something like defensive runs created, something like that. So you're starting to know the value of what's important behind the plate and and kind of change how you coach those catchers to accomplish that. Um, you know, I, I spent you know, three to four years after college really trying to adapt and learn kind of how things are going. And there's a lot of good coaches that are putting information out there and um, going to clinics and teaching people. But, um, yeah, the analytics side of things uh, kind of tells you, you know, really what to focus on. 
Um, instead of trying to cover everything, you can really lock in on what you find to be the most important, maybe statistically or athletically, whatever it is. No, this sort of just hit me as you were given just such an awesome answer there. Take us through Blake Johnson and Rodrigo Montenegro. As a former college catcher, you can sympathize with those guys and understand what the yeah. grind is like. Those two guys have really platooned, and a lot of it's happened due to Blake Johnson's injury early in the year, sort of put Rodrigo into a forefront for this team, sort of forced him, if you will, to kind of grow up before our eyes and, and be fed into the fire rather quickly. And then since that point, it's really been just sort of a platoon-type deal, um, mainly due to feel with Scott Berry. Your your impressions on, on those two guys and, and what impression maybe they've they've made on you and their level of play that, that it's meant for this team. Probably two unsung heroes uh, that probably don't get a lot of limelight within this club, but are probably pretty important. Uh, absolutely. Um, I couldn't be more proud of those two. Um, they've, they've had, uh, you know, some, some trials and, and it's been tough on them this year. We, uh, we don't have a bullpen catcher with us uh, this season. Um, we had another catcher just before school started uh, this year that decided uh, he was done with baseball. So we've had two guys catching um, catching all the bullpens and, and catching, um, you know, nine innings to every scrimmage. Um, so I know they've been sore and beat up and all those things. So I couldn't be more proud of them for how they've handled their business. Um, but it's actually, it's actually a funny story. I, I knew a little bit about Blake. Um, just from coaching in Mississippi and getting to see him play um, junior college ball. And then I actually talked to Rodrigo a little bit uh, when I was at Southern Illinois uh, University um, trying to recruit him there. Uh, but he was asking me questions about Hattiesburg the whole time, so I, know I didn't have a chance. <laughs> um, so when you get to, you know, they're both here, it, it, it all kind of worked out um, in its own way, but they complement each other well, Rodrigo. Um, being a left-handed hitter, it allows you to kind of play some matchups where um, maybe he handles pitching better from the left side. Blake can handle uh, different types of pitching from the right side. Um, you know, they both they both do a good job blocking. Um, you know, Blake's got a little stronger arm, so that's a situation where you know if we got a team that can run, we can put him back there. But they both bring they both bring different energies um, to the pitching staff and. Um, I think that's what's important. You don't want, you know, just the same person uh, back there. Two different guys that complement the team well and um, couldn't be more proud of those two. As you look forward to this upcoming weekend, when did it sort of hit you, whether it was Monday night after the regional or whether it was uh, this week as you're preparing, when, when did it hit you that you're going to have two Mississippi teams inside Pete Taylor Park, two rivals, if you will, um, and, and you're going to get to be right in the midst of it, in the middle of it. And how how special do you anticipate this upcoming Super Regional against Ole Miss being? Um, well, honestly, didn't think about it till, till it was all over. Um, you know, uh, I guess it was Saturday night after the loss uh, to LSU. Um, you know, you're focused on, hey, we got to win three games in 48 hours. Um, you know, I really didn't let my mind leave um, those 48 hours. They focused right there. And um, as soon as, soon as uh, we kind of got back to the locker room and started looking at scores, we realized Ole Miss had a big lead, um, what, the, what that was probably going to mean. And then uh, from there, 
the text messages start coming in about tickets and can you help me out? And, um, I had somebody say, Hey man, uh, just remember you got a, you got a front row seat, uh, to one of the biggest, biggest games in the country. Um, maybe one of the biggest going on, uh, in Mississippi over the last couple of years. So it didn't really hit me till, till late last night. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Ben Brewer, an assistant coach with Scott Berry and the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, now regional champions, and uh, you'll be a part of that uh, lore for forever. You'll you'll be uh, enshrined, if you will, onto that roster. And, uh, Ben, we thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, and uh, we hope you get some sleep this week because we know it's going to be a wild weekend inside Pete Taylor Park. Ben, thank you for your time. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate everything you do for us. Absolutely, Ben. That is Ben Brewer. Ben, appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you. For all your towing needs in Popperville and Pearl River County, call Greg's Tow Biz. Whether you're towing a car, truck, tractor, or anything that needs to be towed, call this locally owned and operated business in Popperville. The phone number is 601-337-2300. Call Greg's Tow Biz. And we're back on the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. Jason Baker, it is uh, my honor to be joined by this gentleman, the pitching coach for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, Christian Ostrander. And uh, Oz, first, let's talk about the regional win, if we can, for a moment. When the final out occurred, Tyler Stewart gets the swinging strikeout. First thing you did, what was it? <laughs> well, I got sandwiched by Coach Grill and Coach Bradford, and uh, they, you know, I was in the middle of a big hug, and uh, I was trying not to fall backwards down the steps into the dugout. I ain't gonna lie to you. And, um, and but no, man. When I saw that, that that you know sinker get under his barrel, strike three. Um, so much emotion, so much excitement, so much pride for the guys, proud for the guys and the program, and just knew how hard it was. And uh, and and man, just so enjoyable. You know, after. Coaches embracing the dugout, you know, Coach Barry, everybody, you know, to watch them boys celebrate, man, that was uh, – and, and the crowd and watch the fans celebrate because th- those fans were dogpiling as well, you know, maybe not on the field, but, you know, they're dogpiling with them. So that was really cool. You're a baseball lifer. You've been a coach for a long time. Had you ever allowed yourself to get to a moment where you would think about regional wins or think about what the moment would feel like? maybe as you took this job or whether you were at Louisiana Tech and used to dream and think about these moments and was it everything you hoped? Uh, Well, you know, yeah. I mean, you don't – I've never been one to allow myself to enjoy many moments. I always think about the next and, um, you know, which – like, but but, but being in this position, being in a program where you have a chance every year to be in the field of 64, you have a chance to host because you got to – you got a program that's going to have a you know good RPI, good schedule, you know, and just you know kind of like what we've done this year. So you know it's realistic. You're a program that's been to Omaha. You do something once, you can do it again. Um, you know, so you know it's attainable, but you also know how hard it is, and so many things have to be right and and, and go right. And uh, you know, so yes, to see it all kind of come to fruition a little bit, it was exciting, but uh, you know, short lived. Excitement and joy. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy it for the rest of my life, but I want the next. Yeah. You know, I want I want the next and stuff. So, greed is uh, is not a good thing uh, biblically, but uh, you know, on a baseball field, I want to be greedy. You know, and uh, I want to I want to get out there and get that next thing. So, 
and I know all the other guys too, but it was it was really a fun moment. Let's talk about some of the pitching performances if we can. I'm going to start with some of my, what in my opinion were just really most significant. And I just said this earlier in this very podcast. I would, if I had a media vote, if I was covering this regional from the television booth, I would have voted Hunter Riggins my MVP of the tournament because of his performance on Sunday afternoon. Put in perspective how important it was. I know he didn't even get the win as the pitching of record, but what we needed was a guy to eat up innings, and he ate up, I think, nine on Sunday afternoon. Can you put in perspective how special Hunter was? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, I think baseball folks would understand that, and folks that know the game would, would see that And uh, uh, versus just, you know, who won you know, the game on Sunday night or on Monday, whatever. But, uh, no, what Hunter did, he, he, he extended our staff, um, you know, by covering nine innings um, on a day where you were going to have to win 18. And ultimately it was – no, yeah, 18. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately it was, what, 19. Right, because we, we went an extra, day. yeah. Um, you know, for one individual to cover half of those innings, that lengthens you out. It sets it to – who knows if Hunter couldn't do that, Justin Storms having to throw in that game. You never have the five inning you know, moment or, you know, that he might have had against LSU. You don't know that. Um, you don't know if you keep a Chandler Best set, uh, uh, fresh so he can get roughly three innings against LSU in the championship game. Um, just on and on and on. I mean, so that guy doing what he did, you know, said it all year. He's the oak tree. You know, he's he's going to be there. And, uh, and he was again. And it was a huge, huge performance you know, by him, you know, to, to do that. And really all three starters, you know, I mean, what's that, 9, 8, 17, almost 25 innings of the um, 46 were covered by three guys, you know, or, or, or more than that. So that, that's important. So, But Hunter really, really came up big for us. And what does it say for him? He came here for that moment. He left Delta State to come try himself against elite level competition at the division one level. And for him, obviously he's had sustained success. This wasn't some outlier over the weekend. He's done it all year. But for him in that moment, like at the top level of the moment of the season, he performed that way. You knew it had to mean something to him, huh? There's no doubt. I mean, I know that was special. And, um, you know, like if, if in fact that was his last time, you know, that the way to go out. So, but, you know, he's going to get another chance. And, and that's what's so exciting. And, you know, and I had a, had a, had a moment with him, you know, uh, yesterday or Monday, you know, after, after the celebrations and stuff and just, you know, told him how much I loved him, how, how glad I am he's here and uh, how, how happy I was for him to experience these things. But the other thing was like, I said, brother, you bet on yourself, and and look what you've done. And there can't be any critics out there to wonder why, what, you know, why you did it, you deserved it, and uh, you know, and it's a tribute to you and, and stuff. And uh, you know, and I think that's something he'll carry with them, really. You know, tell his kids one day and grandkids for sure. There's no doubt. You brought up Justin Storm. I'll go to him next. This is a kid. Clay asked me a question earlier in this podcast in a segment he and I te- uh, uh, recorded. He asked me about Justin Storm, and I've sort of described Justin Storm as a guy that's had to stay ready, but he's had to stay ready on his own accord because 
innings have been so few and far between because of the effectiveness of your starting pitching and then also the effectiveness of your bullpen guys this year where you know you've utilized Landon Harper on multiple inning appearances multiple times and Dalton as well Ramsey as well Chandler Best as well tell us the story of Justin Storm what what made that night possible on Sunday night for him to go five innings and perform the way that he did to close it out against LSU? Character, integrity, uh, competitor, all those things. That's, I mean, he has all of them. Just a fine young man. I mean, you know, one of the ones I'd say, you know, if I, if I had to let one of them date my daughter, he'd probably want to, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like that. But no, no, I mean, just, just, a, just a high quality young man that's, uh, that understood that, yeah, does he want the ball as much as he can, like several of these guys that haven't had as many opportunities? Absolutely. But he doesn't let that, that it not happening cause any, anything to get toxic. You know, it doesn't, you don't get fresh. You keep working. You keep yourself ready. You keep working. And, uh, you know, and then he did that and, and he's got stuff. I mean, it's oh, not yeah. like, oh my gosh. You know, I mean, this guy's six five, six six, and he's throwing downhill with a tremendous angle and up to 92 from the left side. Um, he's grown a lot, you know, since he got here, and I think he'd tell you that, and I think we're seeing the growth and the maturation kind of unfold to, you know, and looking to better things, you know, down the road. So um, it's no surprise with ability, uh, but it was a big moment, and you know what? And But he's, he's a competitor. He, he's not afraid of competing, and he's, he looked it right in the face, and um, he ran right to the fire, and that's what I told those guys to do, man. you got to run to the fire, not from it. So he was – he was ready, and it was awesome. Was it tempting in the ninth on Sunday night to go to someone else, or were you having conversations with Justin in the dugout and just feeling like, hey, you know what, I'm going to roll with you because you're rolling the way that you were. I need you to go close this game out. <laughs> really, it never was. You know, I mean, uh, when it's right, when it's working, something's going, there's something going on, don't mess it up. And uh, obviously you would have somebody ready in case it just the storm hit and we couldn't do nothing, you know, we couldn't get out of it. Um, but Justin was, re you know, he was doing it. So we said, let's roll. And, and it worked out for sure. Now let's go to Tanner Hall, if I can, Monday Tanner Hall. What was the conversation like? I, I, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe you and I have had conversations. He throws his pins on Monday. So this wasn't like an abnormality to where like, hey, we're going to throw you on a day that you don't normally throw. And you can correct me if I'm wrong in that. But what was the conversation like when you knew Monday was going to occur and you decided to, to go? I heard Coach Barry say you kind of left it to Scott. And I, I guess Scott said this is who we're going to throw. What was your conversation like with Tanner when you told him, hey, you're going on the bump first on Monday? Well, I mean, there's a couple things with it. You know, his bullpen day is actually Tuesday. Um, you know, after a Friday, but we were close, you know, one day from it, um, you know, I, I, that, that evening, um, you know, Tanner came to me and said, coach, I want the ball. I'm good. You know, the evening before the game. And I said, well, I hear you, uh, as a pitching coach, I always have reservations trying to overdo guys. I mean, I don't want to, last thing I ever want to do is hurt a young man. Sure. And, uh, so I wanted to see conviction. I wanted to see that, this and that, whatever. Uh, first, I brought it up to Coach Barry. He kind of like, oh, man, no, we can't. You know, and then more time went on, and, and we just, as a staff, we discussed a lot of things, kind of back to our experience last year at Ole Miss uh, in that game when ended up bringing a Hunter Stanley back, even a Walker Powell, which, you know, I mean, 
that was uh, epic. But, you know, and then we brought him in on the back end. We thought, well, heck, we're going to do it. Why not do it in the front end? It might be easier for him to, his routine, if he's starting and so forth. So, anyway, we just went there. We slept on it overnight, got back together, and we just all, I kind of came to the, uh, I came to the office that morning, you know, Monday morning, feeling like that's the right thing. That's what we, you know. And when I first, when I walked in and looked at Coach, he's sitting at his dad, looked at me. We kind of both nodded our heads and said, yep, that's it, do it. And um, so there you go. But, uh, you know, uh, and he did great, man. I think yeah. Yeah, he did great. He, 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 people say, well, he gave up three right. No, they hit him. They, they got some hits. They did a good job, you know, and that's a good lineup. You know, some singles that's happened that. or whatever. Uh, a bunt. uh a tough air. I mean, come on. You know, the guy filled it up and he covered two innings and uh, we're in the game. Uh, and I, I was I was so proud of him. And then I can't leave this guy off because I've loved his story that this season has been for Tyler Stewart. He was really effective early in the year. And I think he kind of went across about a 20 to 30 day stretch where maybe Tyler just wasn't as sharp. But then here in the last, in my opinion, 20 to 30 days whatever span of, of appearances those have occurred, all of a sudden Tyler Stewart's stuff has, in my opinion, gotten sharp. How pivotal was it for him to be able to throw like he threw after already throwing some during the weekend and the course of the regional, but to hand him that baseball and for him to do what he did on Monday evening to close that game out? Well, you know, first of all, I mean, it was huge, you know, for our for our ability to, to gain that win and, and – and uh, and move on to this super and stuff. I mean, that's that's first thing first. But secondly, man, it was so awesome for him and his development. Uh, you know, Tyler's not I, Tyler's not done. He's there's more for that young oh, man. Yeah. Um, you know, and and and, and he was his story is man. I could I would love to share it with everybody. You know, but just the route and 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 the growth and the development and stuff with him. I know he's been here four years or whatever it's been five. Heck, I don't even remember. Um, but he's had a lot of setbacks, you know, yeah. um, and, and, and stuff. And, and you had a COVID year and you had a red shirt year because of an injury. You know, he is still green and growing and, and, and figuring it out. And he's come so far. And, um, yeah, man, he's, he's throwing the balls as good as he has. And I think if you asked him, he would, it's all because, you know, he is kind of trusting it, letting it go, you know, mentally and stuff instead of forcing it. And, and that's been his thing, you know. That's usually the last thing to come for guys to get to be elite and excellent is uh, figuring out the mentality and making sure it's consistent all the time. Because you know, the mind controls the body, the body controls the ball, and you better have that mind first. And, and you know, and I think he's figuring that out. So, so proud of him, and uh, so proud for him to have that moment. And that's what I told him out there on the mound when he came in. I told him again in the dugout, "It's your time, brother." You know, go embrace it. So he did. Man, that's so special. Let's turn our attention really quickly to Ole Miss, a lineup that you're going to be super familiar with. And, and oddly enough, they're an opponent that we see from regular season to regular season, and you're familiar from that sense. But they're a team that you faced under pressure last year in the regional. And then, of course, we've already seen them twice this year. Do you think that helps from a pitching standpoint, or, are, or is it a case – you're going to throw three arms they've not seen from a starting lineup, so that's a good thing. They have seen Hall last year a little bit, but they've not seen Waldrop. They've not seen Riggins. Do you think that's? Do you hope it's an advantage? I, I guess I'll I'll turn the question that way. That you'll be familiar with them and you're throwing some stuff that they've not seen yet. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, 100%. I mean, I, I feel good about that. Uh, you know, if they've already seen my three starters and now we're doing it again, I'd be like, Ugh, okay. But, you know, it's this is to me, it's, it's totally, you know, they're going to know what they are. I mean, this day and age, there's no secrets. You prepare for your opponents, but they've never stood in a box and seen it. And, uh, and, and, and that's a little different. You can have a plan, uh, but sometimes, you know, that, that plan – it's hard to execute if, if the pitcher's on and executing. So it all goes back to that. I mean, they're going to have a plan against all of those guys. All right? We're going to have a plan against them because we have, you know, called pitches against them. We have we know where their holes are, this, that, or whatever. It becomes – it's all about execution. You know, that that's kind of where we're at in, at this thing. And, um, you know, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you know. Honestly, I feel good about going into it because of the fact that I have some history with them. Sometimes when you get a team, like I think back to 19 regional or, or, or last year against Florida State, you know, you know, or, or the 19 against Arizona State, you're playing a good opponent that can hit that you don't know much about. You never, you know, you just base sure. it off a computer and, and stuff. And that's a little, it's a little apprehensive, but. You know, I'm still going to do the, the work on Ole Miss and watching the computer and all this stuff, but you also have real-life physical, you know, uh, things that you've done that you can go back to as well, so that helps. So, um, very good lineup. So much respect for those guys and what they do, and, and uh, I know it's going to be a dogfight. Just like this past weekend and the lineups we faced, we're going to have to navigate them, you know, and that's that's going to be hard to do, but we can do it. Absolutely. Christian Ostrander, our pitching coach for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, join us on the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. You're first class, my man. I, I miss being able to have our, our pregame visits, but I'll be pulling you through from uh, some some spot within Pete Taylor Park this weekend. Thank you for your time, Oz. All right, babe. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank hey, you. Appreciate you, my man. How do you unwind? Whether it's hunting, riding horses, or just sitting around a campfire. It's better on land you own. Southern Ag Credit can finance that land. Give our Gulf Port office a call at 228-832-5582 or visit us online at southernagcredit.com. It's our pleasure now to be joined by Mark Etheridge. He'll be covering the Southern Miss and Ole Miss series, the Super Regional this weekend for D1 Baseball. Mark, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a really great time to be a college baseball fan. So much going on. Yeah, and um, let's just do that. Let's start there. Your excitement with this assignment and to be headed uh, to Hattiesburg this weekend. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I was just thinking about that. This coming weekend, I don't know that there's any place I would rather be I, I, I really think that because of the, you know, the excitement of the, you know, the, the regional in, in Hattiesburg and how that went down with the, the great games with LSU. And I mean, not just the Southern Miss LSU games, every game in that regional was just, you know, was really close and well played and so exciting. And then, then you've got, you, you advance and then look who's sitting there is mm-hmm. Ole Miss. And, and they, there's a great story there. You know, they were one of the last teams, to, to sneak into the field, but no one ever doubted their talent. I mean, that's a really, really talented team, and that's who you draw, right? So Crazy. You, not only do you have 
those individual storylines, but you're in the same state and you're, you know, there's, there's that whole, you know, try to beat your brother aspect to this. So there's just no shortage of storylines, big excitement. And, you know, maybe I I should ask you a question. Is this the biggest on-campus event in Southern Miss athletics? Yeah, I think, Mark, that you'd certainly be able to make that that argument as a a strong argument. I saw uh, several what I what I consider good sources uh, say that about the win on on Monday, you know, mm-hmm. to advance to the super regional. So I think you could certainly make a case. I think the strongest case for that would be the ticket prices that we see on the <laughs> secondary market, right? No doubt. No doubt. I was seeing like $400 get-in price. I mean, something crazy like that. This is college baseball. This is a, quote, niche sport to the national media, but you would not believe that. Uh, if, if you happen to be in Hattiesburg this weekend, you'll think it's the biggest thing going. And, you know, it is. Mark, you've certainly got a vested interest in, in what you do and, and your coverage for D1 baseball, but you bring up an interesting point the way, and we had uh, Aaron Fitt on, I guess, maybe two months ago, and we kind of talked about this. I'll get your perspective. The way that the ESPN Plus and the stream and and the availability of college baseball throughout the year, um, for Southern Miss, for example, this is the first year that Southern Miss Fans have been able to take in a lot of the or all of the home games through that avenue. How much do you think that you're, the organization you're writing for uh, this weekend, all of those elements have really helped this game grow? It has, and you know, I'm I'm 50, and I've been in college baseball a long time. And when I think back to 30 years ago, 25 years ago, and you were lucky if you got live stats, right? <laughs> I mean, we had to call press boxes to get scores. I mean, that was that's how things have changed. And and now almost every game is, is streamed in some form or fashion. And, and ESPN's had a big, uh, a lot to do with that. And certainly the, the advent of ESPN Plus with, uh, as you mentioned, having so many, every conference that has a, you know, a contract with ESPN is showing the majority of those games. And it's, it, it, it really is a, it, it's helped the sport grow. There's, there's a lot more, um, I guess, availability for fans to follow their team. And, you know, baseball is a, a sport where you play a lot of games, right? And if you have no connection, it can be kind of boring. You know, I, I hear that from a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, casual fans, but it's one of those sports where the more you follow it, the more you gain a connection to the players, to the storylines, and all of those things. So anything that that makes you know the the ability to follow it easier, whether that's you know broadcasting the games, whether it's media coverage from from D one or, or other outlets, um, that that's those are all positive. And I think baseball needs it maybe more than some of the other sports that, that get by on just pure athleticism and, and energy. I think baseball is more of a thinking person sport, and you need that that repetition. You need that exposure to it in order to really appreciate it. And, and that's, for me, that's the difference in college baseball today and, and some of the popularity that it's gaining than when I got into this business, you know, 25 years ago. 
Mark, when you begin to dig in and really look at this matchup from an on-the-field perspective, what are some of the the key matchups that you look forward to, to covering and, and kind of give our listeners maybe a preview on, on how you think this may play out in Hattiesburg? Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities in Ole Miss's team, the way they're built in LSU. Uh, they have been um, a very offensive – Ole Miss has been a very offensive club. And and their pitching during this, I guess, this upswing that they've had the last month of the season has really improved. And they found some guys that they believe in um, with Delucia and, and Elliott going the first two days for sure. Uh, that's – that's the the difference for Ole Miss than LSU. I think they they trust their pitching a little bit more. Um, LSU's probably got more high end, you know, draft guys. I mean, Dylan Cruz could go one one next year. Jacob Berry's probably the top position player um, in this year's draft. I mean, those are and and then you know they just got so many you know high level elite players. Um, Ole Miss doesn't have that, but they've got some really good players. I mean, Tim Elko is one of the mm. one of the best stories in, in the sport, and he hit three home runs in the the, the clincher uh, for them Monday. Just a just a tremendous hitter. I think that's the key for me is how because uh, Southern Miss has been a club that's relied on pitching, and it's been their starting rotation has been incredible all year, and and the bullpen has been good. I mean, other than the the, the kind of the, the loss to LSU where they, they kind of took it on the chin a little bit from the pen, um, that, that it's been really strong, and, and, they, and they picked it up the rest of the weekend and got the got the outings that they needed. So it's it's Southern Miss pitching against Ole Miss hitting, and then when you flip it over, you've got what is uh, is Ole Miss going to get the, that quality pitching that they've had the last you know few weeks versus Southern Miss that it's I mean let's let's be frank here. Southern Miss needs a home run. I think they're they're, they're a club that's going to win on doubles and homers, and not so much you know aggressive base running and small ball. So you you need those big hits, and and I think that's going to be the the key because you know they were able to get some of that this weekend, and if they hit the ball out of the park, um, that's a that's a hard team to deal with. For talking about Southern Miss, so I, I really like the matchup. I think it's fairly even. I think it's going to be a – I'm hoping it's a lot like those LSU games because they were amazing. And um, and and when you throw in the atmosphere and what's at stake, and one of these teams is going to Omaha, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it, – there's just uh, – there's so many storylines, and you can tell I'm fired up to get over <laughs> there and just experience it all. It, it's, it, it's, you know, as good of uh, college baseball atmosphere as, as we're going to have all season and, and maybe in the last – you know, last few years, maybe since Mississippi State hosted Clemson that year and had, you know, 400 and something thousand people in the stands or whatever <laughs> crazy number it was and set the record. I mean, that, that's the kind of event we're talking about, uh, potentially. And I just hope it lives up to Billy. It should be a lot of fun. Mark, if you would, we've mentioned D1 baseball a couple times, but just so our listeners know, where to find you and then at the end of that mark if you would since you've been gracious with your time i know it's on a totally different subject matter but if you would give people a, a small insight on the book that you've authored and, and where they could find yeah. that i know it's available on amazon but if there's a different place to get it as well 
Yeah, um, D1Baseball.com, we are the source for college baseball. And if you you go check us out, you'll see. I mean, we have in-game scores. We have analysis. We're going to have guy, uh, writers that most of the Super Regionals were trying to get Hall 8, eight sites. We're working on that now, but we'll have the bulk of it covered. And then analysis of, you know, what each game means throughout the uh, throughout this, uh, the season. And I, I do appreciate the opportunity. Um, w- with the book that I wrote, um, in 2017, I uh, lost my wife suddenly um, to, a, to a heart attack, just totally out of the blue. And, and that left me as a single dad with an autistic daughter who had relied on her mother for basically everything. I was there, but... Um, she was the primary caregiver and I was, you know, I did work and, you know, I was dad, but I was, so I was thrust into a new role and trying to, to help, um, help my daughter understand. She was pretty much nonverbal, help her understand, you know, what happened with her mom and the dad was capable of uh, pulling this off and then us getting through this. And I, I chronicled that as part of my grieving process, uh, just kind of as it happened, you know, late at night, you didn't sleep much. So I wrote and uh, turned that into a book. And it's you, you can kind of go through the journey with us. It's called Petunia Out of Water. And it's it's based on something my daughter said. That's where the title comes mm-hmm. from. And um, and it, it, it is it's. It's heavy content in places, but it it's also has a lot of humor, and um, and I think it's it's things that people can relate to as they go through their life. With you know, we all we will all experience something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you live long enough, and and this is a way that this is how I handled it, and, and hopefully people can draw something from that. Well, Mark, I started following you for your uh, baseball content, I guess, years ago, and it's I've admired your story from a distance, so it's good to be able to, to catch up with you. I appreciate your time. Absolutely, and I uh, can't, can't wait to, to see what kind of high theater we get this weekend. But I tell you what, there's a lot to live up to after that regional. It was incredible. So uh, if, if this weekend is anything like last weekend, oh, my goodness, it's, it's going to be a great a great show. Yeah, it should be a doozy. Thank you, Mark. Yep, absolutely. Hello, Hornet fans. Devin Smith here. I am so excited to be a proud supporter of Hornet football for the 2021 season. I am also honored to serve you in any or all of your real estate needs, Popperville, Carrier, Picayune, Hattiesburg, or anywhere along the Mississippi Gulf Coast. You can contact me for any of those needs at REMAX Premier Group in Picayune, Mississippi. My cell phone is 601-347-2641 or at my office, 601-798-3399. Go Hornets! Making decisions on when and where to further your education is a big step in life. So let Pearl River Community College be the destination for you. Pearl River offers the first two years of any major and over 42 career and technical programs. They have three locations to better serve your educational needs. The Hancock Center at 454 Highway 90 Suite D in Waveland. The Forest County Center at 5448 Highway 49 South in Hattiesburg. And the main campus located at 101 Highway 11 North in Poplarville. Pearl River Community College. Roll River Roll. We're excited now to be joined by the head baseball coach of the Pearl River Community College Wildcats, national champion 
Wildcats. How does that sound to you, Coach? Man, it sounds beautiful. Um, still sinking in with all of it, uh, but uh, we're excited and you're just thankful. Coach Michael Avalon here with us, and Coach, um, certainly congratulations. And if you would, I guess the last, it's been a little while since we visited, but let's start back at the region tournament and, and how well y'all played there, the atmosphere that that was before you headed out to Oklahoma. How special was that to be able to host? And then your team did what it's done all year and played exceptional baseball. Yeah, I think we learned a whole lot from the year before when we hosted the regional tournament the first year. Um, you know, people you know may not understand how much work goes into hosting something like that, and that was that was one thing of the coaching staff. We had to make some adjustments this year, which which the year before gave us the opportunity to do that. So uh, we felt more prepared. We didn't feel like it was uh, you know too much on us at one time, and we also had to let some things go. And that's one of the things that the coach sometimes you have to do is you have to trust people around you and kind of you know you know let the reins go so to speak, but. I think it really helped our players this year, especially the returners who kind of knew what to expect, you know, from the year before, um, you know, hosting it back to back was an unbelievable accomplishment in itself. Um, but we made the best of it this year. And uh, I guess our guys, picked up, um, you know, a little bit of slack that, you know, from the year before, that was one of their goals is to, uh, you know, I can remember last year at the regional after it was over it was very emotional from the freshmen to the sophomore back down you know sophomore to freshman just saying hey y'all get back here and you make sure that you take care of it this year we we know that you will and so um that was um i guess the expectation that they had to deal with throughout the year and they handled it we played really well it was a tough regional it always is it's probably the toughest in the country um you know we had a a, a 12 inning game there with Hine. i think eight one night that finished at one o'clock in the morning and that was a uh, you know, just a big win, um, you know, for us. There was a couple times throughout the year, we may talk about this a little bit, where I just knew certain certain moments in the season were uh, just just really big games. And in that regional in itself, you know, that, that game against Hines being late, I knew if we won that game, when we won that game, um, that was going to, you know, that was kind of like, uh, you know, it was over at that point. I felt like, hey, we we you know, we've done it. We should take care of business, you know, the uh, rest of the way. Coach, let's camp out there. You know, we had Matt Riser on the show just a week ago, I guess, and, and he kind of described a similar type feel, like those moments and the way he kind of preached that through what was a tough season but ended up uh, in a good way for Southeastern. When when I'm, I'm a parent of two, I know you are a, a parent as well, and so you can kind of watch your kids and you think, okay, here's a moment, like, what what will it be, good or bad, and then and how will they grow or, or learn from either way? What is that like when you're in the dugout? You certainly know your 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 troops, you know your gang, and, and watching that and kind of having that in your mind, hey, this kid's in this situation or this student athlete's in this situation. Uh, the nerves and then the expectation that comes along with that when you know that the work that uh, whoever it may be is in that spot. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think when you look back at any season, there there are certain moments that just kind of uh, you knew, hey, these are these are big big turning points in the season, or whatever you want to call them, or just just big moments. And um, early on, we lost uh, JG Bell, our shortstop, and that was one of those where you lose your shortstop in in baseball. It it can just be devastating. And um, 
you know, our team never skipped a beat, and that was early. That was, you know, uh, eight games in, I think, uh, and we lost them for 20-plus games, and you're sitting there thinking, you know, you got this great team that you have, you're excited about them, and then, um, you know, your quarterback goes down or your point guard, mm-hmm. your, your, your shortstop, you just lost him. And so, um, you know, you would expect um, – to kind of get off track a little bit there, but but we never did. We had guys step up. Gabe brought us a freshman for us who was playing the outfield, came in, and, um, you know, he stepped up, and um, I think he made one error during the time at shortstop that J.G. was out, and so that was a big moment. Um, another one that comes to mind for us was um, against Mississippi Delta on the road um, in a tough, tough place to play. And me just knowing uh, a couple years ago, we had, we had went back there and were – you know, a really good team and got swept uh, in Moorhead. And uh, I knew going up there was going to be a doll fight. They they probably had one of the best, if not, you know, the best arm, one of the best arms for sure um, in our conference. And I knew it was going to be tough, and we had to beat him. Uh, it took nine innings to get to him in a seven-inning ball game. He threw 140-something pitches. Uh, but we were able to pull it out in the ninth. And I remember at that time, that was the moment I thought, hey, we're fixing to win the conference, which is, which is a big step. I think we only had, you know, one or two games left. But – um, I knew winning that game was was critical for us to finish the thing off, and it and and it was. And I mentioned Hines to you, um, you know that obviously was um, you know uh, an unbelievable game in the region. I can remember that late that night. I remember thinking, all right, well we won this one. This this should you know take care of it for us. And this we still had another game to win. But you just know those moments throughout the season are so um, you know important. And then moving on to the World Series. Um, one of the moments that I, I can remember going into the best of three series, walking down to the lobby. We always met at the lobby of the hotel before going over to, a, you know, the game. Uh, and before game one uh, of the of the uh, championship series, just just the mood was different. It was a little relaxed, a little, you know, too, um, uh, too, I guess, too relaxed. And we went over there and got beat. Um, well, the next day, I go back down to the lobby and I just remember looking around and the focus uh, of the players was, was just at a whole other level. Um, I think they had gotten together uh, the night before from what I heard and had a players-only meeting. Um, and I think they got things together. But I remember walking down to that that lobby that that day before the game thinking, all right, well, this, this, is, this is what it should look like. And this is what, um, you know, I... I'm proud of is the fact that, hey, they're locked in, they're ready to go. And then we went and took care of business the next two games. And so those are a couple moments this season that I thought were just big moments for our group to where I thought as a coach, hey, these are these will help lead us to where we want to get to. Yeah, I remember the, the video of your post game. You went straight into that, too, after that game two victory. You challenged them to have that same type focus, and, and you noted to them, hey, y'all's focus was different. So – that's a really cool moment. Coach, I'll bring up a moment, and, and uh, man, it, it gives me goosebumps to ask you this question, but I remember watching it with my 11-year-old on the on the couch, and it's the mound visit and the loss, and I, I turned to him. I said, they may not win this one, but it'd take the Yankees to beat them in a series. Just speak to yeah. what that was. Well, you know, Leif Moore had uh, recently lost his, his, his dad, and it was a you know, it was a battle his dad fought. He was he was a tough a tough fella and and fought it as hard as he could throughout the year. But um, during the year, there were um, you know multiple times where um, his dad was you know fighting for his life and you know in ICU or what have you. And um, we 
we lost life for a few days and told him, hey, go be with your dad. You need to spend those moments with your dad. You don't know how many are left. Well, then, uh, as we're headed up to the to the World Series, um, on the way up, we get a phone call that his dad kind of took a turn for the worse, and we had to draw, actually drop life off at uh, Little Rock to fly home uh, to spend some time with his dad um, in case, you know, he did pass. And he ended up uh, passing, um, you know, um, later on and and uh, when he uh you know when that happened um you know obviously that was tough on our team um and so we um kind of got together as a team and wanted to do some things to you know honor them and so they you know did some stickers and stuff and big cows on the helmets but but we didn't know if Lake was going to be back um and we didn't really it's it's one of those situations as a coach we don't we don't expect them back uh because we know what's most important that's that's what we preach in our program with God and then family um, and then baseball's down that list somewhere. So we wanted Leif to be with his family. He needed to be with his family. Uh, but one of the challenges, we we didn't know that if we went uh, deep enough in the tournament um, that there there was a good chance Leif would be back. And so we, we kind of challenged the team early in the tournament and said, play to get Leif on the mm. mound. That's that's what we're playing for. Uh, he deserves to pitch at the World Series. His dad would want him to pitch at the World Series. His family would want him to pitch at the World Series. So uh, our guys rallied around that and um, – um, and then going into game one of the championship series, it was one of those tough decisions. Leif uh, came back in uh, early that morning with his family, uh, me and him met, and he looked at me, coach, and said, I want to pitch. And I said, well, son, I don't, I don't give a crap how you do. I don't care if you get out of the first. I don't care um, if, you know, if you throw seven or, you know, nine in, you know, complete game. I could, I, I don't care. I'm going to, you know, I'm proud of you for being the guy that's going to take the ball. And we needed Lake to take the ball at that time just because uh, he was one of our starters. We didn't have a starter ready to go. Um, we knew Dakota could use that extra day of relief. Um, and so Lake took the ball and, and um, it didn't go the way he wanted it to. It didn't go the way I wanted it to. It didn't go the way uh, anybody wearing maroon and gold wanted it to. Um, but I know when I went out to get the ball from him, I, w- I just looked at him and hugged him and told him, man, um, I'm, I'm proud of you. And one of the things I told him was, you know, what'd you come back here for? Hmm. And, uh, he said, to win a national championship. And I said, well, we still have an opportunity to do that. I still think we will. Um, and so it was, a, you know, um, those moments are tough. Um, you don't want to, um, um, you know, you, as, as a coach, you try not to put on your guy, and I knew I was um, putting a lot on him um, there, but at the same time, um, again, it didn't work out the way he wanted it to, but uh, how proud I am and, and, and everybody was, he deserved that opportunity to pitch. I'm glad he got to pitch. Uh, he's as tough a kid as I've coached, uh, and I think, um, you know, dogpiling mm-hmm. uh, at the end of that tournament um, was, you know, made everything worth it as far as that. Um, and I'm sure his dad was looking down and very, very proud of his son, and rightfully so. Man, it was so cool to see the emotion uh, from not only yourself, but the rest of the infield and the way they engaged with him and that visit. Special, special stuff. All right, Abby, when we had you on, we asked, I guess, a month or so ago, what would it take for you to kind of be where y'all wanted to be at the end? And you mentioned pitching. What about the start that Tolbert gave you in, in game three, man? It um, it it was big time. Um, you know, and that again was one of those decisions that, you know, as as coaches we sat around and we kicked it around because he, you know, he had started a couple times during the year, but um, you know, we also had Swistak who was on short short rest, uh, had thrown several pitches and 
but you know Cole was the was the uh, freshest arm that we had, and you know we knew he was capable of um, having a big outing for us. Although he goes out and you know makes a mistake, and I, I made a bad pitch call on a, in in the first inning of their best player, and, and the guy beat us. and was up two to nothing, but uh, but he never wavered at that point. Kind of kind of the way this team had done all year is uh, just because they get down, they didn't they didn't you never shut it down, never quit. Uh, kept making pitches, kept kept getting the first base, kept scoring runs, uh, and that's what he did. It was, um, you know, it, it was that outing that we needed. Uh, it was a championship outing, bottom line, and that's, uh, um, you know, I was very proud of him. And uh, um, when he got done, I told him, I said, that's, you know, that's that's why you're going to Ole Miss. You know, that's that's what he's going to do next year to pitch in the SEC. That's what he's capable of doing is being a difference maker on the mound and. Um, it was it was fun to watch him mature and, and grow up there because that was one thing. Tolbert's always had a really good arm this year, really good stuff. It's just been at it, you know, being able to pitch with it a little better, learning how to pitch. And um, I saw a young man grow up a lot, you know, in in the biggest moment of his life. And uh, uh, you know, that's um, you know, I go back to what Coach Barry said the other day after their game when he said, you know, he, heroes are born every day. Hmm. Um, you know, that was a big moment for that young man, and um, he grew up a lot. Uh, in in that moment for us, you know, and and something that goes, you know, uh, unsaid there is, you know, Turner Swistak, uh, who who closed that game, who had been our big big starter, you know, for us, you know, I guess throughout the year. And when I told Turner um, that he wasn't starting and that Tolbert was, he said, "Yes, sir, that's the right call. I'm ready. Uh, I'll I'll be ready in the pen." And those moments as a coach, you don't forget because that takes maturity and that takes uh, what we challenge our guys to do every day, which is put put the team ahead of yourself you know every pitcher wants to be that starting pitcher um but Turner Swistak he didn't care what he did he just wanted to win um and that's when you know you have a special group and he came in got the last out I, I told him before that I want us to dog pile on top of you <laughs> he was strong enough that could handle it he he uh he he had a little uh war wound there after the uh uh dog pile on his arm but uh he's fine just a little flesh flesh wound but uh um you know it was uh just just special moments like that are things that I'll never forget as a coach where this this team came together and, and um, put the team ahead of themselves and that's those are very very special moments and that's why uh, you know this team you know national champions yeah coach and then we we started with pitching but I've got to get to this lineup man you had three all-region 23 selections and Broadus, Parker and Perry and then Donaldson goes out there and wins the MVP for the darn tournament, my gracious, coach the lineup, and then you throw Mons in there as well. Boy, boy, just hard to navigate around. JG Bell, but talk about what Donaldson was able to do out that way and the way that he was seeing it. Thirteen for twenty-four, um, nine RBIs, just a a, a huge uh, tournament for Donaldson. Yeah, you know he's one of those guys that. Uh, you know, you hate to say this, but kind of got lost in the shuffle, you know, throughout the whole year. Um, he put up an unbelievable year when it was all said and done. And I thought that was uh, that final um, World Series MVP, um, you know, for that family, that, that, that Donaldson family is very special at Pearl River. Um, Casey was here, had an unbelievable career. You know, Casey was that guy um, that we went to a World Series in 2019. He actually sent it to me after the World Series, he kept it pinned to his Twitter that we will be back. Mm. And um, um, he was also that guy that last year, so there's no doubt in my mind that, that next year's group. And he looked at his brother when he kind of said it, we'll, we'll 
we'll get back to the regional win and, and get back to the World Series. And so, um, you know, for that family, um, that you know, they 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 bleed maroon and gold. There's no question. They love it. Um, they always had a huge. And we have a lot of families don't, don't misunderstand that that love this place. But when you look at the Donaldsons, what they've done for this this place over the last four to five years has been special. And uh, they're at every game. Um, you know, and and um, it it was just an unbelievable moment. It was so fitting for um, DK to be uh, our tournament uh, MVP there, and, and he deserved it. And I think it falls in the shuffle because he's one of those guys that just does all the little things right. Um, you know, he you know you got your Tate Parker and and uh, Alex Berry who are, but then you got DK when you when when you get around the corner from uh, Tate Parker uh, and Alex, there there's DK, and that's there's. It, it, it's just as tough right there. And he had, I think he's up hitting like 380 on the year with <laughs> close to 15 doubles and almost 10 home runs. I mean, it was an unbelievable year for him. He'll get to go on to play at South Alabama. And, um, it's just, you know, the thing that's, that's, that's unsung about DK even more is just his defensive ability. He made some unbelievable plays at first base. And, uh, as far as around the bag, the best I've coached there as far as just picking baseballs around the bag, our infielders love, uh, throwing to him and, and, um, so uh, I can't tell you when I when I heard that I think our whole team was like man that is that is perfect for him to be uh, our MVP because he was just kind of that quiet steady everyday guy that just showed up went to work um, and did it because he loved Pearl River. Coach, and while we're talking about lineups, and I know he's gotten plenty of pub, and and it's all well deserved. But Tate Parker, I mean, I know the arms that y'all face some. Some may may not be aware, but good gracious, y'all see some arms. And then this dude goes out and puts up like church league softball type line yep. for the year. I mean, his his arm strength, his his how in the world, Coach Av, is he hitting some of these pitches that he hits out? How is he getting them out of the yard? It doesn't matter in out location. Great. I mean, he's the type that's hitting great pitches out of the park. Yeah, I actually told a Division One coach uh, just recently, uh, last day or two, um, that Tate Parker, I knew Tate Parker was a really good special player. I know he was a very good hitter, but, you know, he showed me a lot in that World Series. Um, just, just uh, you know, some of those pitches you mentioned, uh, we faced really good arms up there, velocity, um, and then faced some guys that had really good off-speed pitches. And it doesn't matter what, what uh, they threw Tate Parker hit. That's just what he does. And so uh, he continued to impress me all the way uh, till the very end. He's um, uh, an unbelievable hitter. Uh, the thing that's most, you know, uh, special about this young man is how humble he is. He's just a blue-collar kid that just goes to work. Um, he doesn't get caught up in, you know, uh, being a conference player of the year last year. He, he should have been that this year with his numbers. He won, um, you know, there was a mix-up. Uh, in the voting somewhere, he won every statistical category with a triple crown uh, offensively this year. And, um, you know, he, he and when I told him, I said, "Son, you, you know, I was pissed because he didn't win conference player of the year because he deserved it. He was sure. the, the best player in the conference, on the best team in the conference, uh, and the best team in the country when it came down to the end of the year. And he deserved to be our conference player of the year, no question." He said, "Coach, I don't care about that. That, <laughs> that doesn't matter to me." Um, and it was so genuine when he said it. Um, and then I had a you know moment with his dad, and, and I, I got emotional with his dad, and kind of start to now, um, just that um, you know for me that was one of those things that you know bothered me that I couldn't fix that, and mm. so to hear that kid look at me and say you know what coach that that, that crap doesn't matter to me let's go win a national championship, 
um, that just tells you what type of person he is and, and player he is. And, um, you know, I think that kid's got a future in this game as far as professional baseball. And, um, you know, he's got to prove some people wrong along the way. And I hope he, uh, continues to do that. I know he will. Um, but again, even up, up until the last day, um, the last game, that, that kid had, who had impressed me, um, for, for two years continued to impress in the very end. That, that, that we were down 2-0 in the sixth and we had squared balls up left and right and you're sitting there going, man, is it ever going to fall for us? And, you know, let's, you know, cause the coach, you start thinking, man, we're playing really well. We're, mm. our, our offensive approach is good. Uh, we just scored 19 runs against these guys the night before, but in the game of baseball, um, that's how it goes sometimes. Sometimes you can do all you, you can do it perfect at the plate and you hit it right at somebody and got nothing to show for it. So, uh, and in those moments, I could feel us starting to tense a little bit because we're in the sixth inning. We're down two to nothing in the championship game. We played really well. We pitched well. We played defense, but we're still behind and he comes up and hits a big home run that just bust all the pressure for us. And, um, being a marked man for two straight years as, as, as the best player, uh, as the best hitter, um, he, he just handled it, continued to handle it uh, all the way until the very end, and that's that's what makes him, uh, you know, a very very special player. He's all conference, um, all region. I think he has a good chance of being all American. Hopefully, maybe even national player of the year. He would get my vote for sure. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and if he doesn't get it, then I guess the rest of the people got it wrong because he deserves it. But I'm very very proud of him. Coach, when we talk about at bats, that out at bat certainly stands out. And then what about that bat that? Mont had being able to to stay alive at the plate and then getting a big base hit. Yeah, I think you know those are two big at bats. You know, Tate's at bat, and then I think at the time it was two to one. I think we had uh, bases loaded um, at that time, and and um, we had started to get back in there and put the pressure on them. And you know, Mont's who you know one of his um, mo's he's had to improve is just not not swinging and missing, mm. uh, not not trying to do too much. Um, that's that's where he still has to improve. But I think if you look at that at bat in the biggest um, at bat of his life, I, I think he would tell you that in the biggest at bat of our season at the time for sure. Uh, he battled eleven pitches against a good arm, uh, fought off pitch after pitch, and then came through with a big uh, base hit to score two runs and put us up and, uh, uh, you know, what a perfect way just to kind of, um, you know, look at our season where the guys just kept battling, refused to quit, refused to get beat, uh, never got beat back to back games, just kept battling. And, um, that's, that was what was so special about that moment is for him to do that. Um, you know, cause you know, one of the things I'd seen him frustrated a little bit the day before and I said, man, you can't, you know, I remind our guys, you can't you can't be frustrated in the game of, of uh, baseball. Hmm. You know, maybe in football, sometimes you can go hit somebody and take your frustration out and they catapult you to play better. But you step in that box and you're frustrated and your mind's not right. Um, it is it is impossible in baseball to be frustrated and get on a roll. I tell them that all the time. And so for him to, you know, just regather himself, um, lock in, focus, um, and battle for his team, because that's what it was. He wasn't trying to hit a home run. He wasn't. He was just trying to step up, um, you know, and score runs for his team. And that was a huge at bat. Um, and ultimately was the, the uh, game winning hit. So I uh, was very proud of him for that. Coach, what about the fan support, man? Oklahoma's a long way from Popperville, Mississippi, but uh, plenty of people found their way out that way. What did that mean to, to you and to the Wildcats? You know, it was, um, it's just, a special special sight to see. Uh, you're talking 12 hours away from Popperville, or 11 and a half, whatever it was, and 
there was no question who had the largest following at the World Series. It wasn't it wasn't close, um, you know. But but the thing, I, if, if I heard it once, I heard it a hundred times. If so many people came up to me and were so complimentary of our guys and and uh, you know who they were and how they uh, treated different you know uh, people in the hotel or at a restaurant or or a kid that wanted an autograph ball. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that's a credit to, to this program, but you take it further, that's a credit to those families that were out there with them, those moms and dads that uh, raised these young men and, you know, taught them, um, you know, to, you know, spend time with, uh, you know, the kids and, and just enjoy those moments. So I was very proud of them. You know, one thing I mentioned uh, a couple of days ago, was I went into Academy Sports. We were actually looking for some long sleeves because it got a little chilly up there, um, you know, I guess in game game one or two and so we didn't we didn't really pack for uh, 50 degree weather it was june <laughs> but um so we tried to find some long sleeve went to academy sports and one of the people in there stopped us and said you know we've had a lot of teams come through here for the world series but y'all's guys and your fans are second to none mm-hmm. very nice respectful courteous um and those are the things that uh uh you know as a coach you want to win but you don't i i refuse to try to win at all costs uh i'm not gonna um you know, I'm not going to give up being the right people off the field to, to win. And, and all, you know, what we do off the field is, is, is always going to be very, very important. Um, and I, because I think that's what leads to success on the field. So I'm very, you know, proud of those guys for those moments. Um, you know, for the, for the little kids that were around the ballpark and, you know, getting to see uh, our guys sign baseballs or sign t-shirts or just, you know, play catch with, uh, there was a random person from uh, a couple hours away that just happened to come to the game and brought their kids and, you know, they they uh, talked to us on Twitter or, or, or tweeted at us that uh, uh, it was one of the best moments of their kid's life, just playing mm. catch with, um, you know. And then there was another family sitting in the um, stand that said, hey, we, we uh, it, it was actually two ladies. They said, we came, you know, we come every year and, um, you know, watch a game. She said, this year we're coming back and we're going to watch every game that Pearl River plays. We just fell in love with Pearl River. And wow. um, one, one last little story that I thought was um, – you know, really cool. I I met a Division One coach up there early in the thing, and kind of talked to him about a couple guys. And um, I saw him later that day uh, after we had played. I think it was after Game One, and and um, he uh, he was sitting there, and I said, "Man, what'd you think?" He said, "Man, you got some really good players. There's no question." He said, "You got a really good team." And he said, "But uh, um, I, you know, I you know, dead period starts tomorrow, so I've got to leave." He said, "But." Uh, I called my my head coach and told him, man, I want to stay here just to hang out with your fans and enjoy the atmosphere that they're creating here because this is unbelievable. Wow. And I thought, man, you know what? That guy's at a big Division One program, uh, a Power Five school, and for him to say that about Pearl River uh, just just tells you how special uh, their their energy was. Uh, they they created a, a home field environment for us, um, and that stuff matters. It matters a whole lot. It's it uh, you know there's there's no question that it had an impact uh, on the game. Uh, and so I, that's that's why fans are, are so important. And, and, you know, they bring energy uh, and no question that they make us better. Awesome stuff, Coach. And then uh, just to leave you on this, Coach, I know your time's valuable and I've appreciated it all the way uh, through the process. You've always been so generous to to this podcast, but you've got some former Wildcats still in play on the Division One level. I know you'll have – um eyes on that that's that's cool to i mean i'm surely hoping man that you get to relax at least a couple weeks and enjoy what y'all have accomplished and then 
uh, take in some of this Division One baseball with some Wildcats still out there and to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I actually got to go over and see uh, Southern Miss um, finish off LSU the, the other night and got to watch uh, Landon and Reese play. Um, you know, it was special watching you know those guys on that stage. I know, um, you know this is what we try to prepare them for here. Um, and, you know, very, very proud. We have Bryson Ware and, you know, several other guys that are still playing. Um, and that's that's what's special about Pearl River and our players. Not only, um, you know, that's that's our goal as coaches. We don't want them just to be really good players here. We want them to be prepared for the, the highest level, for the next level, and go be impact guys and, you know, help teams there. That's, uh, you know, that's – I have to remind them that of times here. Not only are we pushing you just, just to be good at Pearl River or just to help us win, but we want to see you succeed in life, whether it's that – Southern Miss or Auburn or whether it's it's at um, you know uh, raising your children one day that's that's our goal we want to try to help you uh, continue to be successful for whatever you do in life and so those moments those those times are very special to me I'm very thankful to get to watch those guys um, you know I'm nervous for them <laughs> you know I, I was sitting there watching that game the other day and I was probably more nervous watching Southern Miss and those guys play than I was calling pitches in our in our World Series just because, you know, you're just a fan and you're just sitting there watching and you want them to succeed. And, and they don't always do that, but you also want to run down and, hey, keep your head up, hmm. keep, keep keep pounding, you're okay, that's baseball. Um, you're not always going to succeed. So, uh, but I look forward to watching them, no question. I know uh, uh, they're, they're excited and um, we wish them well. Coach, like I said, I can't thank you enough for your time and congratulations, man. Cool stuff. It's, it's always good to see – uh, good people succeed in life. So thank you, Coach. Awesome, man. As always, we appreciate what you do and the, you know the coverage you give our sports around here. So thank you. Um, you know we notice your passion and your hard work. So thank you so much. Thank you, Coach Abbott. Johnson Farms and Meat Market. Where can you find a full service butcher shop that carries only the finest beef from Mississippi farm raised corn fed cattle? Why, that would be Johnson Farms and Meat Market in Picayune. Shop at johnsonfarms.com or stop in at the corner of Highway 11 and North Hall in Picayune. Johnson Farms and Meat Market, where quality beef begins. We are now excited to be joined by Brett Favre here on the Talking Ball Y'all podcast. Brett, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Uh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Brett, what a weekend that just took place at the Pete. I just want you to tell our listeners uh, your level of excitement taking that in and what that meant to you as a Southern Miss guy. Well, it meant uh, uh, just a, so much. Uh, and and, and I, I think I'm speaking for all the Southern Miss faithful. Uh, you know, we needed something like that, uh, whether – be baseball, football, basketball, softball, uh, golf track, whatever. We needed, you know, a, a shot in the arm, and um, and I know we're not done yet, but uh, it was it was really about as incredible as you could, you couldn't write a script that that uh, could have ended up any better than what happened this weekend. Um, you know, it's it's been. I would say as close to magical of a season as as you can get, you know. And uh, to beat LSU, to lose a heartbreaker the way we did, uh, and I give a lot of credit to LSU. Uh, they they knocked the cover off of it. And they they did it when they needed to. Um, 
and they did it not only against us but against Kennesaw. You know, I I, I was afraid after that loss that uh, we would just be a little bit too deflated, understandably so. Mm. Uh, and and not to mention Kennesaw is a good team, and we battled back. We found a way to win that one. And I said, do we have enough juice left in the tank? Uh, obviously, LSU is fresh. They're hot right now. They're hitting the ball like crazy. Um, the odds are against us. And, boy, did we, did we pull it out. You know, I, I, I don't know if I've ever, and you may agree, um, I don't know if I've ever seen the city and the, the Southern Miss faithful at such a frenzy like I've seen this past week. Um, I mean, my my sister-in-law went to the campus bookmark to get a bunch of stuff for our three girls for the game, and they were sold out of just about everything. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that, those are things that just normally don't happen. Um, but I think it's 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 certainly building the, the foundation for the future, uh, which is you know it's it's got to start somewhere. Uh, you know, and uh, my three grandsons love Southern Miss. My three nieces love Southern Miss. And, you know, things like this are, are what kind of opens the door for the future. Um, so, I mean, it was just an incredible atmosphere. I, I have to admit, when, when Tyler Stewart got that last out, I came up out of my seat like a, as if I, I just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I really did. I, I just had uh, so much pride and joy. Uh, at that moment, uh, like like so many others. Brett, when you look at the way that Coach Barry responded and then in turn his team responded, you mentioned the gut punch and that heartbreaking loss. My dad, my son, we were on our way back from Picayune, and I'm glad it wasn't you know our press conference on that ride back home. But but Coach Barry never flinched. He really pointed straight back to a real-world example of them winning two and then getting into that Ole Miss uh, finale last year, which I thought, you know, you know Coach Barry is a leader, but I thought that was one of his finer moments right after the ball game. Yeah, you know, the, uh, I don't know if there's enough superlatives you can say about, uh, about Scott. Um, he's just done a tremendous job over and over again and continues to get better each year, you know, and I know uh, he, he'll, he will say this as would any, anyone in his position that it's all about winning and it's about getting to Omaha and, and, you know, he hasn't accomplished that yet, but I think he's accomplished a great deal. Um, he, he's, he's made <clears throat> Southern Miss baseballs super exciting. I mean, we're, we're in the, the top 10, probably the top five in attendance here the last couple of years, certainly the last few weeks. I have to, I have to think that our regional was the most exciting regional um, and probably the most watched regional. Now, how many times can you say that about Southern Miss uh, athletics? But again, uh, a great deal of, uh, you know, uh, of that goes to, Scott Berry and, and what he's built. I mean, he's gotten good players, really good players to come here. Uh, and as you know, recruiting baseballs and football in the Southeast is hard unless you're an SEC team. 
but yet he's managed to to do it do it well. Uh, and then you look at his leadership day in and day out. I, you know, I think his personality and demeanor really serves the team well. He's very calm. He's collective. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to get rattled. Uh, I mean, we can count on one hand the times he's come out of the dugout and argued um, when we've wanted him to come out more. But <laughs> he, he's managed to keep keep his composure, and and his and his players play that way. You know, they they reflect that. Brett, when you look at the other programs, you mentioned several of them in your first answer. But when you look at what Jeremy McLean is as the AD. He's able to kind of point to this maybe to some other programs and, and the support that they've given and say, look, baseball's getting it done. They've got some of the same hurdles to jump through. How big is that for athletics overall? It's so cool to look above my head uh, two or three of the ball games and see Coach Hall on a, a balcony, like in full-on support of what was going on. How, how neat is that to see the support and then an example of a program to point to and say, well, they've got some of these same excuses uh, that you may try to use. You're going to have to get over those hurdles. They've been able to do it. Well, well, first and foremost, in order for us, and I say us, Southern Miss, to get to a point where we can, you know, so I, I guess get out of debt is what I'm more or less getting to. Uh, it's going to take a collective effort where we all back each other. Um, I want Southern Miss, all athletics, to to thrive. Uh, you know, and, and uh, getting really top-notch facilities, it's not easy at Southern Miss. Hey, at Mississippi State and Ole Miss, you know their their TV contract money is mm. is you know is I mean ours is laughable right to compare to compared to them you know and someone posted uh, uh, I saw where you know LSU's baseball budget versus ours I mean you have to <laughs> yeah. chuckle yeah you know uh, you know it's it's not funny when you're when you crunch your numbers like Jeremy and, and Brian Morrison have to do over there. But it's it's got to it's got to be uh, really satisfying to see the support that we've had, not only just this past week, but baseball in general has continued to grow more and more, and and that's going to lead to bigger and better things. I mean, we need to upgrade our facilities. I think our facilities are great, but all athletics need to upgrade their facilities. Now I know it's easier said than done, but. We do that not because we have a huge TV contract. We, we're going to have to do that because of support. And so the more support that we get, you know, I was thinking about it yesterday. If every person, uh, every Southern Miss person that showed up this weekend would just give $10. Hmm. Yeah. Now, we're not going to break the bank, but it's, it, it, it's, it would help um, that, that was in attendance the other day. And, you know they want to build an indoor head facility. Um, I think they they should. I think they deserve it. Uh, but that, that takes money. So we're going to need everyone to rally like we rallied this past week. Um, I mean it was an electric crowd and a fever pitch. It was kind of like a disturbing a beehive. Yeah, man, it was it was awesome. 
Uh, and, uh, you, you know, I saw Will after the, the Sunday game in the parking lot, and he had tears in his eyes. Mm. I mean, he has a lot of he has a lot of pride. He has a lot of passion. I think you can, you don't have to meet him personally to know that. You can see it in his interviews and, and how he talks about Southern Miss. Um, Jay Ladner, great friend. You know, Jay, I, you know, they've struggled, but I, I believe in him and I believe in, in our program. Uh, you know, obviously Scott Berry is, is kind of set the bar high. For Southern Miss athletics, but I, I think we're we're definitely heading in the right direction overall. Brett, in that same light, and then I'll let you go. I know your time's valuable, but the move to the Sun Belt, you think that's the right move, and you're excited about that move? Well, if you if you asked me this five years ago or ten years ago, I probably would have would have laughed. Right. There, you know, for, for for the listeners, you have to keep in mind at one time Conference USA. Uh, was a lot stronger when we had Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, Tulane, uh, UCF. Um, you know, th those teams have gone on to bigger and better conferences. I mean, Cincinnati played for the national championship this past year. Houston, you know, is, is top 10, top 15 uh, every year or almost every year. Um, so, we lose those those teams, and now we're, we're. I look at us as being the superior team in the conference, and with not much in return, if, if that makes sense. So I think the Sun Belt. Um, it, you know, if you think about it from a baseball perspective, most recently Coastal Carolina won the mm -hmm. World Series. Yeah. So it's it's a really good baseball conference. It's turned out to be a really good football conference, and. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, you, you looked uh, a, a, a close neighbor, Troy in South Alabama. I mean, they really have come on in, in their athletic programs. And I can say that about all the teams in the Sun Belt. Uh, they're, they're on the rise. So it, it's not going to be easy to compete in it. But I think uh, we're, we're definitely in a better conference uh, now, uh, meaning the Sun Belt. I agree, Brett. Thanks once again, man, for your time. I appreciate uh, getting a visit with you, man. All right, Clay. As always, man, I enjoyed it. Thank you, Brett.